Toasties. I'm Missy here with my bestie Johnsy. Hey y'all. How you guys doing today? How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's good. We just did our first live on the TikTok. Yeah, that was fun. Awkward as shit, but it was fun. It was a little nerve wracking. That is for sure. I will agree with that. It, but it's probably for everybody when their first one. You know, I've heard lots of people talk about how like it's awkward because you're talking to a camera. You're not talking to people. You're talking to, I mean, you are talking to people, but you have to wait for their responses and whatnot. And like, you're trying to still keep the like momentum going, but waiting for them to respond too, so you don't lose the conversation. So yeah. And you don't want to keep going and overlook some who try to chime in as well. Yeah. But it was fun. It was really fun. We will definitely do that again. Definitely be doing that again. So in the future, guys, if you are following us on Instagram and Facebook, which I hope you already are, and the TikToks. You can like and follow us and see when we're going to be live next. Cause and, and tell a neighbor. Tell a neighbor, yeah. Do it the old-fashioned way. Not just social media. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. <laughs> I feel like that's from a, that is from a song. That's from MSI. It is. <laughs> I, I would pick up on that right away. And the way you said it, I'm like, your friends. It was just friend. natural. It's in the back of my head. Always. <laughs> always. That was a conversation on the... On the TikTok live. MSI. We yeah, love we, it. Yeah. We Huge love it. fans. Yes. Um, so, yeah. This uh, this last, our last two episodes were kind of a long one. They were, as I like mm-hmm. to say, doozies. Um, so, this one's going to be a little short one, you guys. A little breather. Um, but if you guys don't remember me telling already that I am a nail tech and a massage therapist... And being a nail tech, you talk to a lot of people. You get a lot of interesting stories. Mm-hmm. And from my job, I was informed of a story of a local murder. Mm. Yeah. How local? Um. Well, we'll say that it's five, five, well, 10, 15 minutes from here. Okay. Uh, we're talking local. Powhatan. As some people, Powhatan. Powhatan. I mean, that's what I say when I'm trying to spell it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's exactly how it's spelled. Yeah. What are you drinking? You still drinking the hooch? Yeah, I'm still drinking my homemade hooch. Hooch. Well, it's not exactly homemade, but it's it's my southern pickle jar hooch. I make my I keep my gallon of pickle jars because I love pickles so much, but I've got like 50 million pickle jars at home. So I just use them as like sweet tea, Kool-Aid containers and whatnot. We might pickle some eggs every now and then, throw them in there, but not in the tea, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's just sweet tea, lemons, raspberries, and some honey jack, and it's delicious. In uh, Wisconsin, in the bars, they keep pickled eggs for, like, people to have. Mmm. I don't know where that does that around here. Because they don't. No. Because you guys don't have bars. You have restaurants that serve alcohol. Yeah, you're right. We don't have a whole lot of bars around here. You don't. We did grow when it, I was younger. Growing up, we did, but not Virginia anymore. laws. You have to have food sales in order to sell alcohol. Oh, you don't do that in Wisconsin? No. Oh, that makes things interesting. Yeah, they have a bar at every corner. <laughs> it's like going. You know how you go to? I don't. Well, you probably you haven't been in New York City, but on in New York City, they have like a coffee shop in every corner. Mm-hmm. Actually, I went to New York in um, when I was in the eighth grade, and it's when Starbucks was kind of like new to the area, but. There was a Starbucks on literally every side of the, the block. That's so you have like a block and there was one on each side. And there was a line coming out of each like Starbucks. 
And that's what bars are in Wisconsin. Okay. Interesting. Their, their food consists of the pretzels, you know, that you see on the on the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't stick your hand in. You don't eat yeah. those. Um, a frozen pizza. You might have some that so- serve a little bit more food than that, but other than, yeah. So the, the it's sh- mainly alcohol. The shit you see on what's that show with? Was the bar um, Cheers? No, not Cheers. The one where the guy goes in and fix up all the bars. Oh, like a Gordon bar, the bar rescue thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like those kind of bars. Bar Sorry, rescue. guys, if you just heard that. My my mic just kind of dropped. They probably little. didn't hear it. We got all this fancy equipment. We've got a we've got a fancy sponsor. AKA yeah, Missy's husband. Yeah. <laughs> He's great, guys. You guys don't even know. He's so great. Um, So I decided to drink something local for a local story. Again, I'm drinking the Funktastic Meads. Uh, these are your decisions is what the flavor is called. But it's like strawberry yogurt with whipped cream. And it almost, when I first had it, it tasted like the strawberry Starbursts. Ooh. But it, you want to try it? I'll try. You're not going to like it. It's really sweet. Sweeter than the hooch? Because the hooch was a little too sweet for me. No, no, maybe. Try it. Just try it. Oh, yeah. Don't like that one. Yeah, I don't think you would. But the other one I have, ta- it, tastes like mim- it tastes like mimosas. That's like frosting. I like frosting sometimes. I like the whipped frosting. That's a good frosting. Yeah, uh, that's too is. sweet. I like the cream cheese frosting because I like cheese. So, yeah, the story, um, the, the story, um, my client was telling me about it. Oh, by the way, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I smack my lips sometimes when I speak. I was told by my cousin mm-hmm. when he listened to our podcast that I smack my lips when I speak. I apologize. And thank you for pointing that out. I am aware of it and I'm going to be very conscious of trying not to do it. Well, you also just got your braces off too. So you're... Yeah, I did just get my braces off and I feel like ever since I got my braces off is when I started really making that sound and it's because my... You're adjusting. I'm adjusting to not having braces on my teeth. Um, But I was doing a pedicure for this wonderful woman. Wonderful woman. Who, she lives actually in town here Mm -hmm. and this home that she lives in or that she has this farm. It's on, I can't remember how many acres she said she has. She has like 200 to 500 acres. Jesus. On this farm. Okay. And it's just, her, it's her, it was her and her husband's little getaway place. Uh, I do have her permission to talk about this. Because she was she told me about the story. I was like, I'm talking about this in my podcast. She's like, please do and tell me all about it. Because um, she was telling me about the, the farmhouse. And how uh, the room where the murder took place, they call the murder room. She calls the murder room. And it was a joke, but it stuck. Her husband hated that (laughs) she called it that. (laughs) She thought it was hilarious. She thought it was funny because a lot of people now always refer to it as the murder room. And he's just like, why did you start that? Um, She's got a little bit of... You know, dark sense of humor. Yeah, she got a little bit of a My dark favorite sense. kind of people. She is lovely. She is lovely. I was really glad to meet this woman. She was lovely. Aww. Um, and but she's talking about it, and she's telling me about this that happened, and we'll go into the story because it it is a short bit that I have for you guys because there's a book about it. Ooh, and the book is called The Count and the Confession. Mm-hmm. 
So if you guys want to know more about what we're going to be talking about today, I suggest getting the book. Definitely have to check it out. Because the writer of that book did an amazing job on going over all the stuff. And when you, they said that when you read the book, you think you're reading an, a fictional true crime, but it's actually nonfiction. It's all real. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's how, that's how descriptive he went and they went into it and stuff like that. So you want to get into the story? Absolutely. I love me a good tri- true crime story. Yes, I know you do. All right. So this, the story is about a man named Roger Zygmunt de la Bird. What a last name. Holy I shit. know. So Roger was born to a bullying father and a suicidal mother. So already he's got a, the backstory. Yeah. Um, but he was born in Nazi-occupied Krakow, Poland. And mm. I apologize if I mispronounce that because we actually have somebody who listens in that area yeah. of Poland. So I saw that on our thing. Mm-hmm. So if I did pronounce that incorrectly, please let me know um, on Instagram or whatever, because I would love to make sure I pronounce that correctly. But they came to America, and in America, he became basically a fraud. He was a con man. He was known as a fraud and a con man. Mm. Uh, he came, He claimed to be a French nobility, um, and he had enough pretty much wool pulled over everybody's eyes that he passed himself off as this wealthy Franco-Polish count. So he was actually known as a count. Wow. When did this take place? 1999. 1992. Oh, wow. So okay. So he developed. Yes. The, the crime happened in 1992. And I'll get into that, too. But he just, when he came to America, he can made him out to be this uh, wealthy count. Hmm. When in reality, that's his backstory. He was, had not such great upbringing and was in Nazi Poland. Mm, that's rough. That's not a French count. No. Uh, he was wealthy and eccentric. Uh, he collected African art uh, and was a physics physics chemist. He worked for Philip Morris. Oh, okay. Philip Morris, guys, is who makes cigarettes. Very big here. Mal- Malbro. Malbro. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's who that is. I'm saying um a lot. You all are getting water tonight. but he was known as being as valid as the art he collected which was not at all his art wasn't real he would age his paintings by storing them on the roof of his home rain or shine why because it would age the paintings to make them look older so that when he was would sell them oh so he was trying to make money off of this Uh uh-huh that's one of the many ways he got his money he was a sneaky yeah he was a swindler a liar a womanizer and a narcissist with many 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 enemies Mm. so i just want to give you guys a backstory on who this man is he lived in the windsor farm which was a 220 acre farm that was once owned by robert e lee's older brother charles interesting yeah he worked for like i said philip morris he was a tobacco researcher and he apparently not only was all these other things, he also loved to fight the aging process. He was very, very vain. He had hair plugs that weren't successful. <laughs> <laughs> but he also had lots of health issues. He suffered from insomnia. He had heart pains, high blood pressure, 
impotence with blood in his semen. Sounds like karma's trying to bite him in the ass. Despite all of this, women adored him. Of course they did, though. He had yeah, money. I'll keep my comments to myself. <laughs> he had money. Um, but he was a courteous lover to his wife. He was very kind to her, very loving, but always made sure to keep his mistresses on the side discreet. Oh, People described it as European morals. Mm. Yeah. He loved the art he stole, and he put years into writing a book about it. So he actually wrote a book about him being a con man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Basically. Yeah, he was a valued chemist, like I said, at Philip Morris, until he quit, apparently, to launch a potential successful stolen patent lawsuit. What? Like, he was not the greatest man. It doesn't sound like it. No, no. He was described as impatient and unrealistic, um, suspicious, tight-fisted, and easily angered. That's what his, um, the um, publisher for his book would say about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's most narcissists, though. Yeah, like to be real, like he really, he really fit the fit the fit the bill for narcissism. But for thirteen years, he enjoyed the love and support of a southern lady of pedigree and social standings, which actually resulted in him finally divorcing his wife for the oh, sake of this no. woman's company. And that woman was Beverly Monroe who they met in 1979, and she, too, worked for Philip Morris. Okay, so they met there, probably. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, true to form, he had an affair. Of course he did. They always do. Yeah, with a woman named Christina Drunowski, whom he got pregnant. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a big no-no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Monroe's ex-husband reported Roger to the FBI for trafficking fraudulent art. Oof. So he had some enemies. He had lots of enemies. Mistresses, discarded lovers, dupe business associates. Uh, So on March 5th, 1992, Beverly was returning to the home to find Roger with a bullet in his head. Mm. I'm assuming not from himself. Uh, the initial belief was it was a suicide. Really? Okay. He was 60 years old, uh, but a detective investigating the case suspected homicide. Mm. Yeah. He had lots of enemies. Given his rap sheet of how he was, he had lots of enemies. He had upset husbands, discarded lovers, dupe business associates. So when he was found with a bullet in his head, it wasn't of no surprise to anybody. They were just like, we saw this coming. Yeah, because he was he was not a good man. Mm-hmm. He was not a good man. Uh, with his unconventional deviant behavior in business and personal relationships, it created a list of possible suspects. Mm. But, of course, one of the biggest suspects was Beverly Monroe. Yeah, I was about to say, it's probably his wife. Beverly Monroe was the woman he left his wife for in 1979. Oh, he didn't marry her? No, they never got married. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. No, they never got married. 
Um, and a lot of people think that Beverly had murdered him out of jealousy for sleeping with another woman, which resulted in a pregnancy. It was a lifetime movie there. It, right? So over a three-month period, the detective who suspected the homicide repeatedly questioned Beverly at length, suggesting that she must have blocked it out of her memory, but she had to been present at the time. That sounds familiar. Mm. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) She said that she was actually at the store at the time of the death and ended up coming home later to find him. Okay. Uh, But after hours of interrogation, Beverly did tell the police, the detective, that she might have been at the house at the time of the death and maybe she did block it. But then she later did recant that theory. That's not good, though. It doesn't look good. But um, at this point, he was 60 years old. Roger was 60 when he died. She was about the same age. And she's being interrogated for hours. The detective that was doing the in- interrogation and doing the investigation, mm-hmm. his name was David Riley. Uh, the detective that met with Beverly later and threatened that she would not be able to see her children if she was found guilty and continued, convinced her, sorry, convinced her to sign a statement that she had maybe fallen asleep after dinner and was there when the death occurred. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Okay. Later, Beverly was arrested for the murder of Roger Zygmunt de la Bird. On what evidence, though? Just that statement. God. Okay, it's one of those. All right. Yep. At the trial, it was presented by the defense as a suicide. So she was the defense. Yeah. And they presented it as a suicide. Okay. Um, but prosecution experts testified that the position in which the gun was found and the victim could not have shot himself. They also presented Beverly's statement about falling asleep mm-hmm. and was possibly in the building at the time of the death. There was also a witness claiming that Beverly had tried to buy a gun from her. From her. I don't know who this her was. I tried to figure out who this her was earlier that year. I'm wondering if it's Christina that is claiming they tried to buy a gun from. Mm. And in November of 1992, a jury convicted Beverly Monroe of first-degree murder and a weapon charge, and she was sentenced to 22 years in prison. Wow. Yes. So, did they... Do you know if they found any, like, of evidence? Like, of course they're going to find her shit all over the house, because she lived there. But, like, did they find any, like, forensics on the gun or anything do you know of? I'll get to it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Jump with the gun. Yes. So at the time of the case, her daughter, um, Beverly's daughter, was, at a, I believe, in law school. I couldn't tell if she was already in law school or because of this case, her daughter did go to law school. Mm. But her daughter did become a lawyer um, and became an attorney to help Beverly out because Beverly says that she wasn't there. Her family believes she was not there. Yeah. Her daughter's name was Catherine. And it was later discovered evidence was withheld by the prosecution. Oh, what a fucking surprise. Mm-hmm. That evidence was that the witness claiming that Beverly tried to buy a gun from was given a deal, actually, in exchange for that testimony. Wow. Mm-hmm. And they withheld that? They withheld that. There was undisclosed and possibly lost evidence. They, uh, like, she said she was at the store mm-hmm. when he did this. There's no... It's the 90s. Receipts yeah. were a thing. But her receipt was all of a sudden missing. 
They still had, like, surveillance cameras in, though. Like, they couldn't, like... They probably didn't even bother. Yeah. And then they said on how, like, there's no way that he could have shot himself with the way that the that his body was found in the position of where the gun was found. Mm-hmm. The groundskeeper is actually the first person that found him and moved him in the gun. Oh, well, fucking shit. Mm-hmm. So you can't go off that anyways. Nope, but that wasn't brought up in the first trial. Why the fuck did a groundskeeper even fucking touch him? Hell, if I know, maybe he did it. I was about to say, he probably did it. I don't know. But the actual medical documents concluded that it was initially actually a suicide. Um, And these notes also, as well as the notes from the interrogation of Beverly, supported her contention that the, the detective manipulated her. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. There, um... It was possible that they wanted to get a case wrapped up before. Apparently, there was a major football game coming. Because oh, my God. this case was concluded in November. <clears throat> there was a major football case coming. Again, also, David Riley just wanted to be that big, bad detective. There's always those guys. Those are egos, man. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be that big, bad detective. So, April 2002... A judge ended up overturning her conviction, and she was released pending an outcome of an appeal or retrial. That's a big jump. So she's been there she for was quite in, a bit. She was in jail for quite a bit. Her daughter fought. All of her kids fought. But her daughter, being the attorney, mm-hmm. did a lot of fighting. And then they finally found out all that stuff about the evidence with the, the deal for the testimony. Um, there were other things that were missing, like a cigarette butt cigarette butts that were missing that were supposed to be there which concludes to me that I think someone maybe else did do it there was no gunpowder I think on her hands which when you shoot a gun it's gonna leave like residue it's gonna leave a residue uh the fact that the groundskeeper it was never mentioned in the initial trial that the groundskeeper actually moved him it was just made out to be convinced that she was on the premise when the thing happened. But well, that's all that was said is that she was on the premise when he shot himself. She never said she shot him. But they took that statement and manipulated it into she shot him. And even knowing that the groundskeeper found him first. Mm-hmm. So you would think, But nobody brought the groundskeeper in for questioning. That's what I was just about to ask. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's... Not fucking justice. No. So, um, like I said, April 20, 2002, a judge overturned her conviction. In June of 2003, they decided not to retry the case. And when released, she was greeted by her children and a grandson, whom she's never held yet. Mm-hmm. And in 2004, a bill was introduced in legislature to provide 400000 in compensation Plus one million two hundred thirty-seven thousand annuity, but that didn't pass. So she got no compensation, also, for being wrongfully convicted for this crime. So she all she did go through another trial where they found her not guilty. Then, uh, from the way it sounds, is they didn't do a retrial. Then I can see why the bill wasn't passed. Yeah, then. I think had they gone through kind of like in the Beatrice Six when we were talking, on how they went through a retrial to get themselves cleared of everything and they went through a cert, um, civil court case mm-hmm. to talk about everything else as well. They had all the evidence to prove that they were not there. 
Whereas I think for her, they were just like, oops, and send her on her way. Yeah, because if they actually went through with, like, the retrial and whatnot, they would have to pay her out. Yeah. So they probably just ignored it. Being that, that again, that's another small area. Powhatan. Mm-hmm. Small. Yeah. I think they didn't have the funds really to do what she, they were asking Especially for not this. back in the day. I mean, this is 2004 about this point, but still, that wasn't that long ago. And it still it still wasn't that big, though. No. You still but just had the high school being built and everything. Like, she, it was a yeah. big area. She, so at this point, she's just home. Oh. Yeah. So it's still, he could have been murdered or more than likely it was a suicide? I personally have a feeling he was, he was murdered. Because they said that the bullet, from what I found, I couldn't find it again to double check this, but the bullet was actually in his forehead. It was kind of odd that you would, like, shoot yourself like that, yeah. Most, if anything, it would be to the side. Yeah. For com- I mean, for comfort level of holding. Yeah. Not promoting this idea, guys. But that's always how it's depicted. And his was, uh, from what I found, was in the forehead. So, and he did have residue on his hand. I'm wondering if someone came into the home while she was gone, confronting him on some of his bullshit. Mm-hmm. It turned into a brawl, and they both shot their guns, and he happened to just catch it in the forehead. Hmm. But you said there was gunpowder residue on his hand? From what I found, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I now have a client who lives in this home that this situation happened at. Hmm. She should let us do a, like, a little ghost detour. She lets people come to her farm. Because it's a farm. She has a bunch of animals. She's got peacocks Ooh. and highland cows and goats. And I think she said horses. Gosh, that's a lot. And she doesn't live there? Mm-mm. So she must have people to take care of them. She goes and takes care of them. Okay, so she's still she's still there on a daily basis. She's there on a pretty regular basis. Um, and she, um, she has actually one of her sons is about to move into the house. Okay. Soon. But she invites people to come to her farm all the time. But it's just her little oasis that she likes to go to. She's so adorable, guys. She hasn't experienced anything odd in the house or anything? Just calls the family room the murder room. (laughs) So it makes me want to think that it probably was a suicide. Part of me, maybe. Yeah, they're part of me, like I said, with, like, reading... About some of his, like, bullshit with people. Especially the groundskeeper thing. Well, if he had, like, he either had to been, like, really, really close to the gun or holding the gun to have gunpowder residue. Well, I'm saying That's if he tried to out. shoot somebody and they shot him, he missed and the other person got him, is what I'm saying. But there, there should have been, like, other evidence there that another firearm was... That's true. There should be, like, if he shot at the guy and missed, unless he didn't miss and happened to get the guy in, like, the arm or the leg. Could have. And the guy was able to just walk off, like... But you think they would find blood. It would leave some kind of blood splatter. That's true. That's true. Wow, I I really want to dig into the forensics on this one. Yeah. Like I said, to look up information online about it is... There's scarcely anything. So I definitely do... Also recommend, if you guys want to know a lot of the details on it, get this book. 
the count and the confession. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. I know you'll it's love it. It's very interesting. But I just thought it was like a fun little little story. Yeah. About just something local. You want to come at me? <laughs> <laughs> and I have this nice little local story for you. I like it. Yeah. Keeps me pondering. Yeah. It was, I thought, I don't know. I thought it was very interesting. It was, I was really, at first could not find anything on his background. So that took me a lot of digging. And this is where my, my nerd self gets in, engaged that I love because I got to do a lot of digging. He's kind of like, <clears throat> was it Leonardo DiCaprio in the, what's that movie called? Uh, Catch Me If You Can. That's a good movie. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. But when you said con man, that's automatically where my brain went. I'm like, ah, he wanted those. Yeah, he was. He was a he was a con artist. He's known as a con man. I mean, he's he had fake eccentric art, and it was not. It wasn't real. It was just copies that he made to look. Yeah, that would take a lot of time. I don't have that kind of time to swindle people. Yeah, no. It seems like it'd be much easier just to get your ass to work and just you know make a honest living versus ripping people off yeah i'm not a fan of ripping off no not at all but yeah that is our well thank you that is our small little story about roger and beverly poor sweet beverly the one thing that they said too is like beverly made the mistake of trusting how do they word it basically like trust trusting the the judicial system to help her in a situation where she needed it and they didn't yeah Yeah. it's so sad how many people put their faith into our judicial system when you know definitely doing this podcast and seeing a lot of the cases because like when you watch id or oxygen or any kind of like crime show they really don't show the other side they only show they got the process yeah the prosecution and the all the hard work that the detectives did and whatnot they don't show what like how corrupt the system can be right and i mean in some situations I, they do a great job but and i'm seeing more often than not yeah i'm not saying it's all of them but it's uncomforting to know how many there actually are Mm-hmm. it's very uncomfortable comforting let me stumble yeah it's almost like you could be like you could just know anybody that something bad happens to and automatically somehow you could be connected to it because they just like to make this shit up yeah yeah like you told them yes on the date of tuesday the third like yeah because he asked me if i wanted a cheeseburger i said yes well yes you wanted a cheeseburger that means you killed him yep i mean that's i'm really finding certain situations where that's as as simple as that and there's even some that have solid solid alibis and like they disregard that and Mm -hmm. i'm like but they're they're there (laughs) like they have proof that they were there how can you say that they did this crime and it's just like ridiculous well that was like beverly she said she was at the store and you can't tell me she didn't have a receipt Mm -hmm. like nowadays people ask like oh did you want a receipt and you're like nah maybe keep your seats guys well still the the store still has it on copy were they in the 90s early 90s 1992 yeah i would like to think so depends depends on what store she was at she was at a grocery store yeah, they probably did. Maybe. No, in that area is probably a major one. There wasn't really much local around there. True. 
I don't know. I know there's surveillance by that point. It may not be exactly. the cleanest surveillance, but there's surveillance. You would have caught her sometime, especially if you said, I walked into the store at this time. You're going to see it. And even if not so, there's still street cams. Yeah. I'm really glad she did get out. I'm really sorry that she had to sit for so long. And again, it's the families, the families that just know mm-hmm. that they don't give up. They don't give up. And it's great that these people are out there to help them. Wow. Yeah. Just imagine if all these people that, like, didn't have faith in these other victims that are convicted, Mm -hmm. they would just waste their lives away in prison. Yeah. It's sad. It is. Because that would be number three, our third story, where someone was wrongfully convicted. Mm Mm-hmm. It happens way too often. And they Mm. sat for how, you know, forever. I mean, 1992 to 2002, I mean, that's 10 years. That's half her sentence at that point. Yeah. It's 10 years she can't get back. No. I mean, 10 years that she missed out on her grandson that she's never been able to hold. Um, I mean, she eventually did. And even if you were saying that she did do it, let's say she did do it. How could she manage to get the gunpowder on his hand, but not her own? Exactly. Exactly. I think it just had another another detective who wanted to be big guy. He's still around. He's still alive today. I think he still works in Powhatan. <laughs> he might not, though. But I think I read that he actually is still there. Nope. I, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully he's doing a better job now. Hopefully. But yeah, that's that's the short story of Roger and Beverly. I wanted to share that. Very one. interesting. Like it wasn't Definitely a, thank your client. I will. It wasn't a listener's request per se, but it was still an interesting one to put out there. And I figured it'd be a nice little breather from the two long episodes we had. Yeah. So And speaking of listener requests, guys, if you have any like cool paranormal stories or true crime stories anything you want to share with us we eventually want to do listeners deals and yes. we'd like to share your stories and get to know you more yes so definitely email us at toasted shenanigans podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram and facebook and tiktok and send us your messages on there as well we check them all pretty regularly so yeah we want to know what you guys want to hear and we also want to know some of your spooky stories absolutely make sure you guys like follow subscribe i noticed that spotify has the bell and i clicked it to see what happens if mm-hmm. it actually you do get a notification if anything new pops up and you do it oh, popped okay. up this morning when our new episode just um we just uploaded this morning so uh, it gives you a, like alert yeah you oh, get, cool you do get an alert so like hit the little bell guys it lets you know when uh you get a new episode so you guys can stay on top of them yeah and tell your neighbor, tell your friend. Yeah, sing up on the rooftops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.